Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, Mia Jackson is here, my Georgia peach. Atlanta's creative loafing named her the Critics' Choice Best Stand-Up in the City. She toured recently with Amy Schumer on The Whore Tour. Her Comedy Central Half Hour Special debuted in November of 2019, and you can still see how funny it is. I saw it last night. Her clips are hilarious. Go check her clips out on YouTube. Just type in Mia Jackson. Welcome back, Holly Harper, comedy nerd from South Jersey. She is the creator and co-exec producer of Hella Late with Holly Harper on Brick TV. Holly was nominated as Best Actress for Hello Late with Holly Harper in 2021 for the New York City Web Fest. Also, she is the co-host of the nationally trending Twitter storytelling chat, Blurred Dating. Time Out Chicago named her popular sketch comedy show, American Candy, as one of the five groups to watch. And Holly works with Gold Comedy and Stand Up Girls, two programs that empower young women by teaching them stand up comedy. She is the creative consultant for the very successful Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest. So follow Holly so you don't miss your sisters in comedy. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation. Just go to our Patreon page. It's Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, shout out to TB. Thank you for always being there. You have the option to watch our recordings live in real time, backstage, unedited, completely unfiltered. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops. They're all available. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live every Saturday with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews. And we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. And sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And by the way, last week's surprise guest was none other than yes Yamanika Saunders so check it out it's very funny and with friends like us it'll help you feel not so long because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands wear a mask it's not over get vaccinated booster up and black lives matter today I have Mia Jackson and Holly Harper I am so happy to have both of you ladies here today. Both of you are meeting virtually for the first time, which is really cool because you're both doing so much. And it's been, let me just be honest with you, it's been hard to get like women of color on the podcast that are doing comedy lately because the good thing is you're all working. Yeah. And when we just started, like right before Holly was talking about where she's at, can you tell us? what you're doing and where you're at? Sure. Well, I went to a Quaker boarding school for high school. And um, I think I really first became a comedian here. Just like, you know, cutting up, <laughs> telling jokes, writing funny things. And so now I'm back here for about five weeks, two or three days off, two, uh, three or four days every week, um, helping to teach uh, sketch comedy 
and how to make comedy shorts. So it's really a lot of fun. And I just feel really grateful. What are, so, and how old are they? They're high school. They're like between like 14 and 17. Are you surprised with what they come up with? Well, I am realizing that this younger generation, it's funny, it's my daughter's age. My daughter's 15. They, I feel like they have so much coming at them media wise that it's almost like they're overwhelmed and it's hard for them to come up with ideas. It's like when you, you ever go into H&M in the past five years and you're like, it's so loud. I don't even know what I came in here for anymore. Like, it's like overwhelming. So I think they're having a hard time being, uh, what is it? Like, um, instead of taking in material, putting out material. Yes, because everything is coming at them. Yes, all the time. Oh, so it must be hard to focus. The meditation, they need meditation at their age. Yeah. Yeah. This generation, do. you're right. I, 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 I don't, it's hard for me today, even. I, you know, you try. And even as I'm talking to you, I'm getting an alert on my computer about an email, <laughs> which I thought I took off. And I, like my TV, I have to turn it off in order to focus because everything pops up on my, the smart TVs. Yeah. Um, things pop up there. Yeah. There, my phone is right here. Things will pop up there. Instagram, TikTok. That's why I don't, I don't even look at TikTok. You don't? I can't. It's too much for my head. I. It's too loud and everybody's dancing. You know, I like to dance. <laughs> <laughs> but your dancing is cute. <laughs> I, I, I stopped for a while because I'm like, you know what? It's too much. Everybody's dancing. <laughs> I get it. And now the algorithms keep showing me people dancing. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> I think we, we, so we're, we're good. It's a lot. It's a lot. So a what lot. do they come up with? That is like, is there anything well, like they, yeah. Well, right now we're teaching them. Um, I'm teaching them the different types of sketches. And I'm just sticking with five right now. Like I'm teaching them how to do a fish out of water how to do a farce, how to do a character, how to do a misunderstanding or double entendre. And then, oh, it was the last one. I forgot the last one, but yeah, five different types of sketches. And then what the structure is and oh, a parody and satire, and then how to adhere to the okay. tone. Oh, nice. So instead of just like, oh, this. this is something that's funny. It's like, no, this is going to be a weather report with a small town weather woman and she's super religious and everything's about the Bible. So I'm teaching them how to just get right to the ideas. I could use that class. Right. I'm I could like, use it long. Like, I could have used it like 15 years ago. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Do you teach this for adults? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. I don't know. It's pretty good. And do are they enthusiastic about it? Do you ever have any like... Well, they are, but I noticed that they're kind of... Some of them are kind of scared because it's like they're like, I'm not funny. I'm not funny. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no, let me tell you something. It's not about finding stuff that's funny. It's about how jokes are surprises. So you're looking for surprises. Because if you're looking, it's like saying, I want to be beautiful. Well, you know, how is beautiful? Is my hair right? Is my outfit right? Is my skin look good? And instead of trying to find some elusive funny, try and find the surprises, which are the jokes. So, so like the kids, the kids that are like, that are like into it and I'm funny, like are any of them... Are they thinking about like sketches in like TikTok form or are they like, like, no, I want to do long, you know, form like for TV, like what are, what is their 
Well, the only pre- the prerequisite is like it's got to be a, since it's a film class, it's got to be a, a okay. beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay. And you know, and I'm like, you know, for a perfect example, like TikTok and YouTube are like great for character sketches. You see characters all the time, but we want a beginning, a middle, and the end. So when you're we're answering these in the festivals, it's not just some funny TikTok character for a second. It's actually a real story. Okay. Oh, which must be difficult for them because the, everything is just so quick and throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird because I see them also, I find, we talk about comedy, a lot of them, uh, and it's just me teaching, because I teach kids in New York too, scared to offend people. What I was going to ask you next, yeah. Scared, like we were talking about characters, and I was like, come on, everybody here, like you have like a drunk uncle, or like a racist aunt, or like, and they're just like. Oh, they're so scared. They're, they're, so they've already as children, they're supposed to be uninhibited. So now they've already taken on the adult. Yeah. Holding back. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. No one has a racist uncle. No one has an aunt that likes to fight. Are they black? <laughs> they're, uh, they're black and Asian and white. Okay. So that's why they're also scared. Yeah. They, they could be told on in the group outside do you tell them it's what happens here? This is a safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really funny because we're, we're talking about jokes and I was like, look, you know, uh, I was like, you know, a lot of times comedians, we get, we come under fire for things that we say that may sound racist or sexist or homophobic. And yeah, we do. Cause sometimes you say the wrong things, but a lot of times it's because it's the first thing that comes off the top of our head and that filter is not always aligned with what's right. You know, so I mean, yeah, well, we don't want to punch down while we're here working on something. I want us to be able to be safe. And then we take the stuff out that doesn't need to be there. Have you ever worked with kids in uh, comedy, Mia? I think have I? Um, if you don't know, then you probably have. Li- wait, no, no. <laughs> that memory is fresh to me. Now she she's frozen. Ooh. Did you see her freeze? Yeah, I was like, what happened? Is she posing? And I was like, oh, she's frozen. And what oh, were you okay. saying, Mia, about? Have you worked with kids before? Yeah, yeah, I, I have, and I, I, I mean, I'm. It's, it was so long ago now that I've probably blocked a lot of it out of my memory. <laughs> but, but I do. I, remember I worked for a nonprofit at one point, and um, we had to like, you know, like get the kids ready to do like the end of a summer program type thing, and so, you know, it was some stuff where we were all kind of like, oh, I don't think. They should probably do some of these. You should just sing, you know, like, <laughs> you, should, you should just sing. But but I have taught a comedy class to adults before. Oh, that's and cool. That, yeah, I did that um, virtually um, in 2021. And um, it was very, that was interesting just because that, you know, and obviously you, I think you will see more of a fear with adults because yeah. there were people who were hype and there was just like, I'm ready, you know, first class gung-ho. And then I can always tell because even amongst like, you know, people that I've met over the years who are like, I want to do stand-up. And then you never hear from them again. And there were people who were at the top of the class were like, I'm ready. And I could pick them off. I could pick them. I was like, this person isn't going to be there for the final class. This person oh, wow. is going to have excuses. And I was right on every single one of them. Every wow. single one. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry, things just got... Crazy, and I was like, "I know you weren't going to finish. <laughs> you weren't planning on finishing from the day you signed up." But it was still a, you know, <laughs> really, 
it was it was still a fun, you know, experience though, going like, oh wow, like this is like I I forgot, you know, that it was intimidating, you know, because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah, we forget this is like a fearful thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was saying when you had left that um I had done that um readers theater workshop with children. Like I w- was doing with kindergarten and then high school. High school is where I quit. <laughs> I can't do high school. I can't. They, they hurt your feelings, you know. But I did. Ooh, but I did a comedy segment, and I invited Wally Collins and Donnell Rollins. And I remember it was hilarious. One of the white students who was like kind of black. He was more black than he was white. <laughs> was talking about how he didn't think Cosby was funny. This was before the whole Cosby thing. And Donnell was there and Donnell went off on him. And I was like, Donnell, he's a high school student. He's a kid. Like, take it down a notch. He's like, no, you don't know who, you know, what you're talking about. You don't know Cosby. I was like, whoa. So I had to like, I had to like reset because one of the things I know with with students like that is just listening and, and validating where they're coming from and then redirecting them to thinking about what their opinion is, you know? So we would take like headlines and, and make them into jokes and they were so good at it. Oh, I was always surprised at what they could come (laughs) up with. They, at that, in that generation, anyway, they were so unfiltered. Okay. So they would come up with all kinds of stuff. And I was just like, look at all of this material here with this generation that, you know, and they were into it. Like, you know, that's when I realized when they started cutting those after school programs, uh, it was not good. Oh, well, and then, you know, in New York City, the public schools were gutted $14 million. Just this year, right, with um, this new yeah. year. With this new mayor, and now they're gutting the libraries, another eleven million dollars. Oh no! Because oh, Mayor God. Adams is like nobody reads anymore. I'm like not with you in charge. Uh, uh, <laughs> the libraries are so key; they're so important. Imagine mm-hmm. how we could change the city with libraries. The things that we could do. They could be adult learning. They could be after school programs. They could be studying for SATs. It could be. They could be so many things. Mm-hmm. They could be, that we could be doing safety spot. I mean, you could do so many things with a library, but I'm like, okay. I just never thought we would be here with the library. I never thought we'd be in this place. He doesn't seem to get it, like how to fix these problems in a very, you know, fixing problems take time. They don't, they don't, they're not media headlines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly. what he seems to be really into. Ugh, yeah. That's really sad. Cause mm. the art they keep saying that every award show, you know, we have all these award shows coming up. You always see that 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 um plug for the arts programs from right. people who are winning and why they are so important. I mean, people really think that arts just is just nothing. It's like it's this is something you do on your spare time. They don't understand mm. the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it helps. It goes into who you are as a person, even as a child. I mean, music is math, too. Mm-hmm. And I was terrible at both, but <laughs> it was still, still, it was still such a big thing, though, just to, because, you know, I can remember, you like, I mean, I took piano lessons from 
the age of like five until 12. And then, but the thing that it helped me with is that by the time I was in band starting in sixth grade, I was one of the only people that could read music, you know, oh, the okay. only, one of the only people that could recognize like, oh, well, that's treble, that's bass. That, you know, so I was just so far ahead. I mean, again, still terrible, but, you know, I, <laughs> but I stayed in it all the way until <clears throat> actually my first year of college. Did not know what oh, I was wow. doing. I mean, I was, I was, I took a class just to pick up an extra grade. I did not know what I was doing, but nonetheless, it was still, <laughs> it made me, it made me a very well-rounded person just because being in marching band, there are people that I was friends with in high school that I'm still friends with now, you know, or I still talk mm-hmm. to and, you know, just because it was something that I did that was after school. And so it was just a, just a, a great way to be involved and get to travel as a kid and, you know, just be a part of the world. So. Be a part of the world and see something yeah. outside of your own community, which mm-hmm. a lot of these kids, especially in inner city, need. They yeah. need to know there's a world outside their own. Phoebe is writing here. New York libraries were so wonderful. When I was a kid in New York in the 60s, the library in our small town here in Oregon, where he is now, is truly a center of the community. Very well supported. Happily, not the problems I hear in other places. So, so Mia... You've been extra busy. I would been trying to get you for months. I know. I can I can be free for today. <laughs> but you've been busy. You want to tell us like what good things you can tell us about? Yeah. So um yeah, so like the past, I don't know, was it I don't know, was it like five, six, was it four or five months? Yeah, well from yeah, from August of twenty twenty two until December of 2022, I was on uh, Amy Schumer's tour, the horror tour. So I was Whoa, on, that's great. Yeah, one of the yeah one of the openers on the tour, along with Jay McBride. So we were um, we would go out and do our fifteen minutes each, and then we just got to be that's so everywhere. Nice. Yeah, isn't no, it, it was, nice it to was, not have the responsibility of headlining? Yes. Oh, listen, I was like. <laughs> I was like, do I want to continue doing stand up after this? And I was like, maybe this is what I always want to do. Because I can remember there was a time where I'm like, I've got to be on the road every weekend and I want people to see Mia Jackson. And now I'm like, I mean, they don't really have to, do they? Like, can I just, I'm like, is there anybody else out there who just needs somebody to do 15 minutes and then I can go home? Like, that would be <laughs> like so ideal. Yeah. But I mean, it was, yeah, it was great. And then I also, um, in the middle of the, tour also was um I got to write for the second season of Life and Meth. So her oh. show on Hulu. So yeah, so we were we would sometimes get to a city and then be like, boom, we gotta get on Zoom and get in the writer's room and then we got a show that night. So isn't that, that great is really that, amazing. That's, that's awesome. like great that your you. your mind is kept busy that way too. Cause I've always find mm-hmm. when I'm writing during the day, I don't know if you find this and then I go on stage at night. I feel more like activated. Yeah, because I, I was like, I feel like I've done something, <laughs> you yeah. know, because prior to that, I'd be like, oh, I'm just chilling for today and maybe I'm going to go to TJ Maxx and then I'm going to go get on stage. And I'm like, I've done nothing, you know, that's how I feel. But it was like, I kind of felt like I'm always just on the go. So it just, you know made um yeah made the stage where it's like boom we did this and, and you don't really have time to sit down and you're just going and I like that. I do enjoy 
just kind of moving all the time. So it's been kind of weird the past few weeks. So I've been like, I'm just sitting, sitting down. Just <laughs> what am I doing? Do you find yourself making yourself busy when you, it is weird that coming off the busy road. Uh, yeah. Like I am um, like one, one thing. So, um, coming up at the end of this month, I, my little sister, um, Sam a baby. So, Ooh. um, it'll oh, be my first, okay. yeah. So I'm very excited. I'll be like, I'll be on eternity leave. Um, yes, that is a term that I have been telling people and she's asked me to stop. I'm with it. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, so like, whoever helps out needs to leave. Like, I need, look, I need the, I need that term. It needs to be in some HR books somewhere. But, um, I, um, but yeah, so as soon as the tour was over, the, that following, like, Saturday or Sunday, no, it's Sunday, I flew back to Georgia and then, I was just basically working on the, like wrapping up, like working on her shower. So I had a, so I was still like having a week of like, I'm doing 10,000 things. I'm not doing stand up right now, but I'm doing all this stuff. And then the week after I was just sitting there like, Oh God, what do I do now? And I'm like, I got to go back to the city. I got to put in for spots. I got to, you know, but then I was like, I should also maybe sit down and it's okay. If I meditate, down. Which is yes. what I, you know, the reason I bring that up yeah. is because Quest Love, you got to go to his page. I love Quest Love so much. I met him years ago through Amy, actually. Um, and and then he wrote me, I think he wrote, I saw him one time and he was like, I, I, I don't know, he was listening to, I was on someone's podcast and I had an audio of me fighting with the cab driver. Because I used to always <laughs> fight, I always fight with people. <laughs> And he was like, that took me through customs Um, because he was traveling and he was just listening to me arguing with the cab driver. But he's posted all of this stuff about meditating and this morning. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't do any of this. And here it is. Find your true self is an act of love. It's from this guy. His name is Corey Muscara. Finding your true self is an act of love. Expressing it is an act of rebellion. A, number two, a sign of growth is having more tolerance for discomfort, but also having less tolerance for bullshit. Number three, who you are is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Number four, mm. desires that arise in agitation are more aligned with your ego. Desires that arise in stillness are more aligned with your soul. Number mm. five, procrastination is the refusal or inability to be with difficult emotions. I find myself oftentimes when I procrastinate, I'm like, if I wash dishes, like it does slow me down and it's difficult to slow down, Mm -hmm. right? Like just chores Mm -hmm. are difficult. Sometimes I find myself, I'm like, why can't I do this writing? I procrastinate with writing a lot. And sometimes it's about delving into something that I have to change in my writing that I'm not ready to change. And then number six, the moment before letting go is often when we grip the hardest. Number seven, you don't find your ground by looking for stability, right? Find your ground by relaxing into instability. Hey, oh, okay. What, what you hate. Oh, oh, is, that, is that you? Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I know, right? Instability. <laughs> What you hate most in others is usually what you hate most in yourself. This is true. Um, the biggest yeah. life hack is becoming your own best friend. Everything is easier when you do. I'll just do this 
these four more. Can't because they're so good. The more comfortable you become in your own skin, the less you need to manufacture the world around you for comfort. Ooh. Yeah, no more facials. Number 11. <laughs> an interesting thing happens when you start to like yourself. You no longer need all things you thought you needed to be happy. I have found myself like, you know, I'm single. I live alone. I love it. I question it sometimes, except the only time I question my aloneness is when I've tripped. And then I worry if someone's going to find me. That's it. (laughs) Number 12, if you don't train your mind to appreciate what is good, you'll continue to look for something better in the future, even when things are great. Number 13, the belief that there is some future. This is the most important The belief that there is some future moment more worth our presence than the one we're in right now is why we Uh, miss our lives. Is this on his his Twitter or his Instagram? Because I need... It's on his Instagram. Okay, we're going to his Instagram. Yes, I need to... Because I love his podcast. So, um, I love... But the um, enjoying the now. Meditation. Enjoying the now. Like... Uh, yeah yeah i need to read all of that and <laughs> screenshot it and save it no yeah. i've been trying to teach my daughter is 15 to take photos every day of her and her friends and i was like Luna, you don't understand i grew up in the 80s when we didn't really have it wasn't these smartphones at all i, was, I had very few photos of me as a teenager very few wow. and so i look back and i'm like dang there's so much i missed that I just, I mean, I can't look at it now, you know? So I'm like, please and try and enjoy every day and take photos and print them and put them up and celebrate them because, you know, this is a glorious time you're living through. You, you need to celebrate it. However, taking photos, according to this, would take you out of the moment. Oh, okay. Ooh. Really? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Like sometimes because yeah. then you have to post it, right? And then you have to share the moment. And so the true art of being in the now is you just accept where you are. You, okay. don't, you don't reach for anything. You just you just there. Okay. It's a hard one to achieve. Very hard. You know, like you ever been with someone? I mean, like take pictures, though. But mm-hmm. you ever been with someone and you're uh, that's all they're doing? Will Sylvance. That's all they're doing. It's. <laughs> Right. It's taking pictures. It's taking pictures. And it's like, you're taking so many pictures, you're missing this moment. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, the iPhones and the the concerts. concerts. Mm -hmm. Yes. At this past uh, December, for my my son's Christmas concert, he's 10 in the fifth grade. My husband and I had a deal. I was like, you take footage of the first song and I watch. And then I take footage of the second song and then you watch. Because I noticed that we were going and we would both have the same footage. And watching it through the phone, I was like, we're not even enjoying this. Yes. See, that's the thing. A lot of people take pictures and then they'll they'll share it. And everyone's like, oh, it looks like you had a great time. But the reality, the reality is you were so busy taking these photos of the good time that you right. were actually in the good time, in the moment of the good time. Yeah. The one that stood out to me the most was the one about the ego. The ego is I have let my ego go wild. The ego is a tricky one. 
I am oftentimes very uh, jealous of those who have who seem egoless. You can tell the ones that see egoless. They, they they don't really care so much about how people perceive them or or where they are. Let's say on a lineup or, mm-hmm. or whether or not they're mm-hmm. headlining or they just seem to enjoy the stage that they're in and the journey that it's taking them. And okay. they learn so much more from it, too. I remember mm-hmm. looking back on on my career as a stand up. I think the the journey of coming up when I look back, I go, wow, you know what? I learned so much. There was so much that was actually uh, kind of fun about mm-hmm. the grind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some bad, Absolutely. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to these uh, hot topics. And then don't let me forget this, Holly, because I do want to talk about your workout because it's really important. Um, oh, okay. It'll segue into, actually, I'll start with that. This conversation about hating my aging body. <laughs> uh, why do I look at myself with disgust? Because mm. you're doing so much, Holly. I am so like looking at everything you're doing. It's so cool. Um, Thank you so much. Um, I'll read this and then I want you to tell them what you're doing. Columnist Philippa Perry responds to a submitted question. It was an op-ed piece in the uh, Guardian by Philippa Perry. And it's a woman feeling disgust towards her middle-aged body, even though she does Mm -hmm. not feel disgust when she sees her friend's bodies. She knows that it seems impossible to shut down this critical voice in which we talk to ourselves. She, she <clears> suggests <throat> developing a different relationship with the voice and just to observe. Um, I think the most important thing that I pulled out, gleaned out of this is, you know, we are trained from early age to associate beauty with youth. We have been conditioned to hate our aging skin by people who sell us anti-aging cream and fashion facials. <laughs> and I have I got a facial recently and I was like what she was doing all this stuff and it's it's great it's like I mean there's a little thing here that she whatever but micro needling and I was like do I need all of this I was like it's good if I look good in two weeks I'm happy but just not really me how, how are you Holly what are you doing to change I've seen you lifting weights and all of that and well yeah well for me it's really funny is that I've been working out since I was nine years old. I've always been extremely conscious of my body. I remember I was nine years old and I saw Jane Fonda work out. And I was like, I think I could do something with these thighs. I was nine thinking I'd do something with these thighs. You know what I mean? And I've always, I mean, I've loved aerobics. I've loved kickboxing, um, you know, modern dance, everything. But I started CrossFit six years ago. I didn't realize I've been CrossFit for six years. And uh, I started as like a new you, like a New Year's Eve resolution, a New Year's resolution. And I found that it has been the very best thing because it made me realize how actually strong my body is Mm. and that I really do have control, a certain amount of control over your body. So it's taught me to really look at how I'm progressing with my strength instead of just like, are you skinny? Are you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Are you this size? I've begun to look at myself like, yo, look at that cut on your arm or look at that or look, Oh my God, I didn't even, I haven't done a sit up in four months, but here's my abs because of everything else I'm doing. So it's about the strength and 
how I can really push myself. Cause I'll be honest with you. I'm not a weightlifter, but I've become one. And when you lift weights and you break through a weight division, you're like, I'm that bitch. <laughs> like you're like, I just did that. Like I just did that. Um, so it has been amazing for me. And one thing I love about it is maybe it's because my box, look at me, I sound like I'm in a cult, the CrossFit cult, the box is a gym. <laughs> at my box, it's very multicultural. It's owned by this young Puerto Rican couple um, out in Sunset Park. And it's like everybody goes there. And I know there's different politics going on there. Like, I know. I can just tell because I've seen their Facebook feeds. But, like, mm. when we are there, we really are just like, yeah, yeah, you can climb that rope. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. And then when we leave, we are ourselves. When we're there, we're just trying to get really sweaty and better at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. Nice. What about me? You and Mia? That's Mia's just, like, that's, I'm just listening. That's inspiring. <laughs> no, that, no, I'm like, <laughs> no, because no, I, I mean, now, working out, I am, ugh, I, now, there, I'd probably say about, I mean, now it's probably been about 10 years ago where I, um, I picked up a lot of weight, like a lot of weight, and I started working out all the time, I, but in my head, I remember kind of being like, I'm not a person that works out. I'm like, I can never do this. But then um, I just started and mm-hmm. then I did it. And then like, and it was just, a, and for me, it was a thing where it like, it kind of changed everything in terms of, of like, even for stage, because I was like, oh, you know, since I feel better, I feel better about performing too. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize how much it had been holding me back where I was like, because this was at a time where I was eating gas station hot dogs a lot. And so I always tell everybody, like all the, I mean, it, it would be nothing for me to be like, boom, stopping. Gas you know. station hot dog, Mia's? Gas girl, oh, that's like, like, I said Mia's, like you own the that's gas station hot dogs. Let's get some branding for it. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, but I, but yeah, I just, but and I remember like getting in its routine and then for a few years I was doing really, really, really good where I would stay in and out and in the past few years I've just fallen off the map in the past several months have been I'll start and stop and start and stop and then um so it's really so just hearing the way you're talking about it Holly's just making me go I'll probably just think change the way I'm thinking about it <laughs> and, and and not be in the state because at one point I think it was also like well I'm trying to get super fine you know as opposed to being like yeah. oh, I should just be doing this to maybe just be healthy because you know again you know when me going on eternity leave, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm gonna be helping with this little baby, you know, I might need some some energy. So I should probably get my life together. But I just gotta, I can't I have a hard time staying motivated like okay. over the past few months. So that's why I've been falling apart. Okay. No, I mean, you know, it it's hard. And then like, no, like what Marina was saying, like we really are trained to hate our bodies. Like we really are. And it's like, you know, I've had two kids and I remember the first time I went shopping after I had my first kid, I fell apart in the dressing room. Like I was crying so hard because it was like, I realized like, yo, that old body, that's over. That's over. It's over. And I maybe realized, well, what does your body mean to you if you, if it's not, who are you? I mean, I just sound shocked. Who are you with, without that cute little body? Who are you as a person? How much of that was that you? 
you know, how much of, yeah. how, you know, and then maybe realize, uh, like, so I kind of went through a phase as a new mom of just like wearing things that just drapes me all the time. Like, oh, I don't really want to, no, I'm nothing, I'm not, I'm, oh, I'm not cute anymore. I'm not. And then honestly, my kids started getting older. I realized, you know, I'm, I'm still fairly young and yeah. I can, I'm not never going to look like I did when I was 19, but so what? I'm not supposed to look like I was 19. I was 19. And so for me now, I feel better about my body because it's the body I earned. That first body I was just granted. I did nothing to receive that high booty and those perky little titties and all that. <laughs> but like, no, this is the body yeah. I earned. I earned, I got my waist back. I earned that. Mm. Yeah, there's a quote in here that I love. Who are the most attractive older women, really? Not the slimmest, not the youngest, but the women who carry themselves with pride, who don't hide away who hold their heads up and laugh, never mind what might wobble, the ones who are breathing because they aren't holding their breath as they try to hold in a stomach. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to Lynn Coplitz uh, recently about middle age, you know, and just like menopause and that whole thing. And this menopause is a whole other thing. And um, she was saying, I leaned into it. I just was like, this is it. This is, and I've always noticed Lynn always had the most fun on stage with her body, talking about her body. I remember she would talk about going up to 125th Street and getting like jeans that fit because they don't sell those jeans on. Uh, that's true. Lower Manhattan, you know. Why would yeah. that have have you know? They have more of a struggle because they don't accept it at all, really, in their mm. stores and stuff, you know. Um. But she did lean into it. And I, I, I try, I do struggle leaning into it because I'm like, oh my God, because there's a gravity that happens also when you get older where things Ooh. start not only yeah. going out, oh, but yeah. falling down. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I don't know about yeah. you, but I remember the first time I tried on a jumpsuit and I was looking at my stomach and I was like, what is that? And it was like in the front of the jumpsuit. I realized it's not even the fuba. It's like, <laughs> that skin in a like like the crease where and it would just hang and I was like look at that like how am I working out this hard and I see this like you kidding me like that's not fair now I'm like you know what it is what it is and I you know I'm not I'm not a bad person I, well you're not gonna let me in the room <laughs> like I'm not cute anymore like it is what it is I can't I can't huh? feel bad because I naturally aged I'm sorry. Yeah, confidence is is the key to looking and feeling good. Confidence is the key. It really is. You know, I'm still working on my confidence because I do have I have a bit of a uh, I love working out like I love, you know, my my issue right now is finding trainers to be consistent with me. I don't okay. know. Trainers get kind of crazy over time. You're like, well, what? wait, what happened? We, we were doing so well and you seem to be canceling. But there are, so I have recent because I do love working out. Now, mm-hmm. if working out is not your thing. That is OK, too. Maybe you find yeah. something that you do physical. That is your thing. Walking or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. Uh, I need so a thing. You need a thing. You I know, need a to thing. Keep you keep you moving because you do have to keep moving. That's a fact. That's science. Mm-hmm. That's health. Mm-hmm. You do have to keep moving. But you have to find those things that that works for you for 
for me, it was boxing. Boxing was just fun. Oh, you know, okay. The idea of punching things and, and being defensive. And I'm a bit aggressive. So I do love, and I used to love, I used to love, I used to love lifting weights too. I, I've started slowly getting back to some, some lifting weights. And also my goal this year is to make the workout work for me where I could do it on my own and save some money. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, you can save a lot of money if you get that routine down on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been my goal lately. Now, my interns uh, that I used to have on here, they were like, you need to slap a warning label on this episode because it's diet culture. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't they're not here anymore. So we don't have to worry about that. But I'm like, listen, the reason we got to talk about this is because there's two things going on in the world today. Confidence and health. They they, they do have yeah. to come to some point in your life where you find peace with both because mm -hmm. we do see after this pandemic, a lot of health issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I hesitate at telling people, don't worry about working out. Uh, you, you, you can find a way to work out that's best for you in your middle age. That works best for you. Don't, yeah. don't stress, but, but do it. I need a class. Yeah. I think I'm gonna try that. Maybe I need to find a class. Maybe I'll be accountable if I'm if, if I you have a class. Go with That's why pieces. I'm accountable. That's why because I, you know, on CrossFit you sign up on the app and you see the four other faces or five other faces of people who are gonna be there. So then you're like, oh, I wanna see Manny. Or I wanna see Greg. Mm -hmm. Like you see them and then, and then they're like, and sometimes we'll text each other, like, where are you? You said you were coming. <laughs> like we know the people in the class. Like some of us know each other. Like they've come to my shows and stuff. Like we did a comedy show at the CrossFit one time. Oh, like, wow. yeah, I I get really in, whoever I'm hanging out with, I get fully into them. <laughs> like I get people like Holly, you have to go home. But like I just get really into it. But no, when you're by aging, Marina, I don't know about you. I mean, your knees. Yes. I, what happened to my knees? I used to run. I used to run four miles a day. Wow. <sighs> I can't do it anymore. I yeah, walk I a step now. I'm like, Ooh. why do they sound? Why can I hear it? I'm like, do other people hear it? <laughs> Are they echoing in the hallway? I'm like, I don't want anybody to come out and be like, is that Mia? You know, like that's the, it's, I'm falling apart. I need to get my life together. I really. Oh, my ankles talk yeah. to my trainers. <laughs> when, when we work out, they're like, what's that? I'm like, those are my ankles. <laughs> they're talking to you. They're talking to you, Debbie. Oh, God. I had a scene in the play I was just in a few months ago where someone, this, the, my love interest, like, grabs me to kiss me, and you can hear my back crack. It's so embarrassing. Like, you hear go, oh, no. And he was like, what was that? And I was like, just don't say anything. Oh, no. But also, while we're talking about weight, there's also, you know, with aging, you know, looking young is, you know, in this article, they said, and while we can look at our age skin and recognize that it was once youthful, we can also recognize that we have been conditioned to think that one is good and one is bad and realize we have a choice in how we think about it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting because I as I got a facial with a friend and they were talking about Botox and I was like, you look wonderful. They didn't want to hear that from me. They're like, oh. I need to fix it. But I was oh, like, okay. you look so 
so beautiful. But then I realized it's not my journey. It's not my mirror that I, you know. Yeah. It is a hard one, though. Looking in, look, aging, gray hair, all this stuff. You can't yeah. change that. That You want to talk about um, being in the now. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I got to admit, I don't like my gray hair. I don't, I mean, like, I have a wig now, but like, when my hair is out, I don't, you know what it is? Some people, when they have gray hair, it looks like it grows in cool. Like, they have streaks <laughs> or something. Mine is just a weird <laughs> halo. Is this the halo? And it looks like I'm, it makes it look like I'm balding because it's white. It looks like I just don't have hair. That's, I'm like, I swear to God, I have hair. Like, I swear it's all up there. But yeah, when you're eight, like, has your, has your hair texture changed? Yeah, my hair is thinning. I have like thin spots. Like you could kind of see it here. Like, you know, that used to be, ba it's baby hair, but it's also going. It's okay. like, it's weird to have gray hair in baby hair. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> gray beef. The gray edges. What you doing? But it does, it oh. thins in the back. My hair texture is completely different from the front. Like the, in the back, it's like some European thing going on. I got, I got, it's very straight. And um, yeah. even my barber, I have a barber because I get my hair cut short. And that's the other thing. I get my hair cut short because as you get older, I, I, I remember a man saying to me, why is all the older women, why are their hair, why is their hair short? It's because it, it it's, you don't want to deal with a lot as you get yeah. older. That's one. And then yeah. two, the way your hair grows out is different when you get older. So yeah. uh, you mm -hmm. just, you have to, yeah, a short haircut is manageable and it looks good. And it's just mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's an easier choice, but it's also like I, my barber told me I had a rat tail. You know what a rat tail is? A little, like, little mullet, like a little, like a, a mullet little, tail. Mullet. Yeah. yeah, I had one that was trying to grow. It's long and straight. And it, look at my hair. My hair was like, this is Africa up in here. This is all the roots. Of and like back here, it's like what Dominican Republic. Like you have like something. It's just totally different. It's just like the certain areas, the perimeters of my hair. It's all yeah. hormonal too. Now there's things you can take. There's supplements, you know, that you could take. Biotin, biotin. But I listen to all of it very carefully as I say it on here, you know, especially as a breast cancer survivor. All the mm -hmm. stuff that people tell me, I do my research before I take yeah. anything. So, yeah. you know, but I'm also okay with, you know, the, the grays that are coming in for me is very scattered. It just, just doesn't have any uniform, like you were saying, Holly, it's like, yeah, you know, I, just, I look at it and I go, well, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, where, yeah. where are you going? What are we trying to do here? Like, yeah. But I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm okay with it. I'm starting to learn how to be okay with the changes. You know, I see my neck. I remember I had an episode where I had a Amanda Seals like, you don't have that turkey neck. It's coming though. That oh that yeah, neck, that neck is coming. <laughs> yeah, my neck has been changing. I noticed in the sides, it's been changing. You know, like one day, and it was Zoom. Zoom got us. Zoom goddess. Yes. I was on Zoom in the beginning of the pandemic. I turned to the side. I was like, whoa, what was that? I'm never doing that again. And I'm like, turn to the side. <laughs> never turn to the side again. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I I had my um hair out um 
during the the pandemic. And I remember I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get on the Zoom with my natural hair. <laughs> and then in the mirror, I was like, it looks nice and big and healthy. And then I got on the Zoom and I was like, it like I ain't did nothing. Like this looks did it shrink <laughs> from the time I was in the mirror like two minutes ago to here. I was like, why do I look like this? And and then I just started buying Zoom wigs for the pandemic because I was like, I can't have nobody take a screenshot of me looking this wild. I mean, I was it was shocking. So it's yeah. a lot. Well, I had a yeah. girlfriend who worked for a plastic surgeon in LA, and she and everybody who worked there, because the reception at reception, they all got work. Like when you when she started working it, she started getting work, and like everybody who works there gets work done, and it's crazy to the point where like a doctor will be like, you know, you could do something like right here, right there, and you know, I only charge you a third. You know, you look great, and so they just start getting work done, and they'll be oh like 28, God. 29 years old getting work done. They are younger getting this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the girl getting that. that fat removal. That is it yes. buccal? Buckle, oh yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've read about that. Yeah, getting the yeah out of fat out of the cheeks. Out of their so, cheeks. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 So they can. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's because it of the, it it's the filters. It's the filters that have done that to these kids too. The filters but on I, Instagram and all that. But I always thought the round buoyancy of your face is really cool when you're As young. you get older yeah. it does absolutely girl yes because i've had my i've had a fat face my whole life I, the swelling just went down in the past three years like i call it the swelling like it just went down like i'm finally getting the face that i wanted and i'm old as dirt but i'm getting it now and i'm like i'm not i'm fine so i'm thinking you're getting that fat removed what are you gonna look like when your face My really friend. starts to fall. Yes. You know I mean? Like, keep that cheek fat. Yeah. 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 I, I want to keep my cheek. Yeah, I've, I've always had very, like, when I was a child, my nickname was Apple Jaws. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody would be like, I'm going to pick those. You know, and, and I would be like, I have such a fat little fat face. But over, you know, over the years, I was like, wait, these little fat cheeks are kept me looking youthful. I'll keep it. Heck yeah. Yeah, you're adorable. Those bad cheeks, that's why you got a party for 50 years. I've seen Mia as a kid, too. I could see. I used to pinch your cheeks, Mia. Apple Jaws was the nickname. Uh, Yes. I have never heard that. Apple Jaws. Yes. And then then I would cry because somebody would be like, I picked one of your apples. And I would be like, give it back. (laughs) Had a lot happening. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Perry offers a counter a message to women uh, that says, "Say it in naked in front of a mirror. I am the epitome of women. I all women should look like me. It is important to note that just because the critical voice, that's what they're saying. Work on that voice in your head. It is not truth." Perry finishes by angrily urging men to stop perving women's bodies, which can have lifelong effects on self-esteem yeah all that is true because you know those voices that are in our heads are from the comments we've heard guys say to us Mm -hmm. i mean i'll never get tracy morgan doing a jokes about how you could say something to a woman and that'll damage her for her whole life like about her body or whatever so we do have to as women really work hard and men too to to fix Mm -hmm. 
those ideas in our minds to restructure the thought that we have when we look in the mirror to practice in, in any way you find that's helpful. I don't know about for me, but I, I can't stand in front of a naked, a mirror naked and talk. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I, that's that's not going to happen for yeah, me. I, Sorry. That's not Sorry, Perry. Yeah. Sorry, Perry. <laughs> yeah. I can work on quiet in the voice, but I cannot. <laughs> I don't even like trying clothes on when I go shopping. Like to me, that's really rough. I don't like trying. Like I'll have to wear a certain uh, undergarments to try on clothes. Or else I'm not going. And I, I have to like, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say I have trauma of trying on clothes with my stepmother. Yes. Oh, yeah. And also with the lighting, it hits you in a weird way in there. And the, like, it's not lighting to make you feel And the guy good. who's watching behind the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always like, I know there's someone back here. I had. I mean, look, I. I I worked in loss prevention. There are not mirrors. There are not people behind the mirrors. So you There's can no. feel okay. No, really? no, no. What, what they are, though, there are cameras that, um, it, if these are ethical places, um, there are cameras at the entrance because people know that there aren't people watching. That's where they do the most thievery. So, okay. So, yeah. So we would watch people walk in with a handful of clothes and be like, okay, we saw them walk out with a bunch of stuff and now they came out with really thick shopping bags, you know, so. so I have yeah, to so admit, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm saying, I have to oh, admit, no. growing up in a small town, I remember seeing people get arrested for shoplifting and watching them get tackled in the store or watching that gate mm -hmm. come down. So that scarred me for life. Like, I am it, never shoplifting. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. No, and, no, no. And the it's people so that, see. Um, once. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see, I was a person who didn't, care so because when I before I first started working there my dad was like this ain't yours please do not be fighting nobody in this store but like the people that worked there all that tackling they that's they lived for it they would be like yes because because our rule would be if you stepped off the curb that meant you were no longer on the property they would go grab people by the collar <laughs> because they'd be like because if, <laughs> if, if one foot went off the curb that meant you had to let them go they would snatch them up so that the foot wouldn't get off <laughs> And I would be watching like, oh, oh God. God, like, you want me to do that? Like, I don't want to grab you about a collar. Yes. Oh so, mm -hmm. so yeah, look, so change away in the dressing room because that's what people change feel. Away. So, so ain't nobody going, um, yeah, yeah. Unless you change right at the front door in front of the camera, you're, you're good. But while we're talking about this, I love seeing Mia snatches someone. I would live for that. I know. I'm like, I want to see that. I would, like, I, I want to see someone get live, snatched. Live for that, Mia. This is like, this is, you know, I'm always like, Mia is the nicest person in the world. I'm like, Mia, snatch him up. Um, I got to see this. Like, that would be my day. So we're going to move on to this. While we're talking about uh, vocalizing and, you know, maybe being silent. Prince Harry and the value of silence. Now, this article, the reason I put this in is because I disagree on so many levels, but I understand the person's, that's why I put it in. Patty Davis recounts a moment where she apologized for writing a book about her troubled family to her Alzheimer's ridden father. Mm -hmm. He recalls this moment when she read Prince Harry's new mem memoir in which he wrote about his father, King Charles, getting in between his two fighting sons and urging them not to make his final years a misery. 
<laughs> Please let me live to at least an, a, a dying age gracefully. Please. His words reveal that he is aware of his own mortality and would like his sons to be aware of it as well. Davis admits that while she regrets writing the book, her justification for writing it was very similar to what she believes to be Prince Harry's reasoning. She wanted to tell the truth. And she believed that if she wrote her truth, her family would understand her better. She don't know that's why he wrote it. She just no, speaking. However, she also knows that it seems way more complicated than it is when we are young. There's not just one truth. There are the truths of the other people in the story as well. Prince Harry mm-hmm. wrote that after Prince William hit him, he declined to hit him back. And Davis argues that by writing the story in his memoir, he did just that. Prince Harry has expressed his hope that his relationship with his brother and father will heal. I doubt that anytime Mm. soon. But Davis fears that Prince Harry has only expanded the battlefield. Davis said that she would tell her younger self to be quiet, to look at things from a wider perspective, and to understand that words have consequence. What do you think, Holly? I'll go with you first. Well, like on one hand... I feel like, look, your truth is your truth and you have every right to speak about it. But on the other hand, if you are thinking that you want to mend fences with somebody, don't tell your mutual business. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's if you want to mend things, which I would right. want to, you know. Right. I agree with that, too. Yeah. Mia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree because I just think it's it's is a harder thing to come back from, you know, to like, if you talk to them beforehand and go, Hey, I'm going to say this thing and this Mm -hmm. will help me with my healing. And that other person is okay with you saying it, then, all right, I think maybe you can, can work through that, but kind of give the feeling that's probably not what happened here. You know, like if you let all that stuff out and he's like, Hey brother, I'm back. Let's talk about it. You know, he could very well just be like, dude, you told everybody I punched you. And I really would like not. I really don't want people to know I was punching you, which, you know, again, that's, you know, I mean, you did it. So you should own it. But that's still it's it's a very. I think for a healing thing, like maybe some things should be done internally first. And it, it just seems like whatever is going on with their PR that somebody's just like tell it all sure feel feel free like ain't nobody stopping them to be like well, the yeah. thing is yeah the thing is mm-hmm. right here's my here's my my opposite view on this right this is the big one a murder happened with prince die that mm-hmm. has never been investigated i mean she was essentially i know i'm embellishing but not really she was essentially murdered by the press right it was it was a paparazzi right yeah so i've watched this stuff a lot and i and i I, i've followed it over the years and i've watched how this whole thing played out and i've watched the crown and and i look at historically how the press in the in the uk works Mm -hmm. the press in the uk works through the royal family so everything that comes out in the press is leaked from the offices of the royal family. So in a sense, there's two things going on here. One, when they used they used to say that they killed her. And I mm-hmm. believe that. Right. 
Mm-hmm. They did everything that they there was a lot like when we look at January 6th, a lot of the stuff that happened, you could say those people weren't responsible, but they are right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Trump, all the media, all the press, all that set that stuff in motion. So all this stuff with Princess Diana, which is Prince Harry's mother, he understands that they set that in motion now. And I'm sure he had to grow up as a kid very angry about that, about the fact that his mother was never protect, never protected. Because after a while, yeah. they they didn't give her any protection. So while we go, why are we so obsessed with, you know, when you look at Meghan and Harry, you know, in the joke, you could go, why even worry about them? I mean, come on, they're rich. But in reality, it's about somebody was murdered and someone was about to be murdered again. So that's mm-hmm. why it's important because someone's life was at risk. Here's the other part, despite whether you think Megan, I mean, I do see a little bit of her ego there, but that's a whole other thing. Now, the thing also is that the press controlled by the uh, uh, Prince William and um, I get these, all these names. Oh, the you know the the King Charles and all that. They 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 leak all this stuff, right? They yeah, that's a big stuff. thing. That's yeah. a big so, thing. So so in order for Harry to have any type of recourse is to tell the truth because they are leaking stuff to the press. Mm-hmm. So in sense, they've already done what they're claiming he's doing. Like yeah. I remember, I remember mm-hmm. watching it with someone who was um, sort of like over in Europe and sort of, and they were like, oh, look what he's doing. He's going to, the whole press thing that they're going to have a field day with him. He's in trouble. He's, look what he's doing. Like they're, they're causing, stirring up the trouble. And I go, the press is the problem though. No one has mm-hmm. been charged yeah. for what they've done. Mm-hmm. And, and um, King Charles is not admitting to the fact that he's leaked so many things about his own son. Mm-hmm. So I do feel, in a sense, very sorry for what is this little boy who's grown up in a situation where no one even believed that he was King Charles' son in the first place, right? I know that. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, you know, they're like, who's your daddy? <laughs> and yeah. now he's yeah. married a black woman. And they raped her through the coals in the press, right? They sure And did. I say rape because yeah. I use that word a lot lately because that's what it is, right? I mean, and, and they basically threw her. They were really campaigning to have this woman die. Mm-hmm. And that's his family. So yeah. that's where I have issue with this article because I'm like, first of all, Patty, who wrote the article, you ain't no royal prince. Sorry, it's like, but you, daddy, have your no, daddy was an actor. Settled you down. have, yeah, yeah, you have no <laughs> idea what it's like to be in England, too, in the UK, and dealing with their press, and who had a mother die as a product of it. It's a exactly. whole. You want to talk about the layers of truth? Well, you're not talking about the layers of truth that deals with this young man's life and his yeah. family, his family. I think he is way past the point of wanting to reconcile with them because I have to admit, if that had been me, think about it, if that had been you, people leaking stuff about you, leaving you out there unprotected, you get to a certain point where you're like, this is what I've been given. And I'm either going to fight in my own way or not. 
And so, I mean, I, I'm not really mad at, at Harry at all because yeah, I, I just can't be. No, but he you're right. Be, he can't be silent but in no. a sense because they did kill his mom. They did kill his mom. Look, it's all complicit. Right, Marina, you've you've maybe made some points that fine. He should talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, I just have to, they're not going to heal. I mean, unless he won't. No, but um, but this is this is you know what this is a this is something though that me and um my boo were talking about earlier today. We're like, but what happens in those situations when 20, 30 years down the road, what if him and Megan are pretty much one day like, I'm sick of you, but now I ain't got nobody to go to because we don't talk to our family. Like, you just have to stick together and be like, I guess we gotta stick this out because we gotta make yeah. it this way. You know, like we actually what do you do? We actually talked about that on the show where it's kind of like that is what keeps them together is this whole thing. So when you don't have that, the thing, yeah. then that like, kind of the, the romance falls apart because that's what keep, this whole thing is what's yeah. keeping them close. Yeah, like that's the, the bond. Yeah. And then it's like, that's like what if, parents yeah. that divorced when their kid goes off to college because they were just holding it together. Yeah. Yeah. While the kids so were what home. Do, yeah. So what do they do when? You know, I think Harry was, Harry could just hang out in Harlem. I'll meet him. Hey. They eat at Melba's, <laughs> don't they? Don't they eat it? Didn't they eat at Melba's when they came? To, I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. I didn't know. Yeah. But, you know, oh, yeah. Harry, I here's the fun thing. I always knew he was into Blackwood. I don't know how <laughs> it is that I had that sense. But for years, he just felt years, it. Oh, I did. I knew it. I knew years ago. I used to say about 10 years ago, I said, I know Harry likes some dark meat. You tell him to come this way because I like little boys. Um, but the thing is, like, not anymore. I'm joking. I'm joking, everyone. Don't report me. But I, I do think that in a sense, he has he has an obligation to his family and to his mother to tell this truth. That's a little bit more heavier than about putting out family business. It's about uncover it's about protecting a murder that happened really and and a murder that was about to happen and i think that is a very serious issue that i don't hear anyone talking about and that mm -hmm. needs to be reiterated but this is a whole different situation here um and that they're actually free from it now whether they they last together that'll be interesting you know whether he's like you know i protected you but you get on my nerves <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I need, yeah. I, yeah, I want to check in 20 years from now after the kids are, you know, Archie and Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> yeah, after they have some Tyler Perry movies and see their godfather. You know, I want to, you know, when, they, when their careers are popping, I want to, when they just sitting there looking at each other when all that red hair is gone, you know. Um, <laughs> when they're just sitting there, Lauren Day, she's like, I just, like, you make me sick. <laughs> you make me sick and they're like but, we gotta know, do this but let me tell you like I you know everybody's on Twitter I don't know if everybody's on Twitter I just, I just assume everybody's on Twitter but like I started really getting into Twitter just about a year ago right before Elon Musk bought it yay uh, but the hate that some of these women have for Megan is so and it's funny because I've actually tried to have dialogues like let's talk about this for a second it really just looks to me like you just hate this black woman. Like it really does. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and they're like, how dare you call me racist? Look, I'm not, look, 
They I'm don't know. Asking, they don't, they're unconscious of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what has this woman done? And they say things like, she's emasculated him. He used to be so this before her. I'm like, you do realize that Harry's not your man. Right. You don't know him. You don't, you don't know anything know about him. him. He's not your man. It's almost like they yeah. feel like something was taken from them. Like right. she took right. she she took him from us. Yeah. It's really weird. It is weird. Yeah. It is classic, though. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. know, we women like to tear down other women. We've we've seen this in school and high school. You were yeah. like the, the 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 football guy with the pretty girl. I'm just like, what's she got that I don't got? It's all that. Mm-hmm. I was telling someone that was trying to hate. I said, "Look, I am trying really hard to not like dislike this, you know, because I could see myself. I, I see little moments of her where I'm like ill, but then I I'm like, you're falling into that group. You got to take yourself out of it. You got to fight." I was like, "Why am I fighting against like not liking this?" And I was like, I think it's part of the culture of being a girl. Like you grow up and you just the pretty girl who gets the guy type thing. And it's like really listen through the story. And it it's like for me, that's why that's what stood out to me the most that kept me going. You know, everyone wants to talk about like, you know, Megan and, and, and her personality and whether her relationship with even black people is questionable, all that stuff. I don't think any of that matters. I think what really matters is that mm-hmm. someone died here as a result of 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 these truths that were pushed out in the media. Yeah. And um, we, we're talking about a family that's trying to, you know, people are like, why? Why do the documentary? If you escape, you escape. Be quiet. It's like that's being complicit about something that really happened. You, we yeah. always talk about be, not being complicit, but all of a sudden you want them to be. Because why? Because th- that's not fair. Because they have money. That's not right. Yeah. And also, I question: Why do you need them to be quiet? Like, why? Why do you need that? Yeah. You know, like, what is that for you? Now, go ahead, Mia. And I'll just say it's just it's just the the just the wildness of like. Like being in comment sections on articles too, where you're like, these are some hard, strong opinions for you not to know these people at all. <laughs> like you just don't, you know, it, it is so weird. I think I even saw one time where somebody was commenting where they were like, he should have been, you know, with the girl that he dated before her. And it's like, what if he, he broke up with her years ago? Like, what if he just, that wouldn't just be. It's it, and you know, and this is another thing I read too that had me that had to have me adjust my thinking as well because, like you said, it is very easy to be like, "Oh, I'm mad too." So there was a blind item that I saw one time where they were like, and it was clearly about her. But the blind item said um, they were like, "There's this woman who she went on a date with someone recently who, and this is like you know in the past few years, and they're like." And they went camping and she said she loved being outside in the wilderness. Now, here's the thing. A few months before, she went on a date with someone else and the date was very similar. But she didn't like being outside with that person. So it's interesting how she all of a sudden was liking outside. And I remember at first I was about to be on the thing to be like, that's crazy. But then I was like, you know what? It's some people you just don't want to be outside with. Thank like, you. Maybe, like I'm like maybe maybe this. And it's different types of outside. It's, it's different right. outside. 
Yeah, maybe this dude is fun to camp with. Yeah, maybe this other dude is a terrible. Like, maybe he's not going to protect me from a bear. But maybe this maybe one will, and that's why I feel safe. Maybe your cat is right. Sucks. Maybe there's a yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe you, you ain't a prince. <laughs> maybe you right. And but but that's what I had to I had to to like my first thought was very much like you're right. That's crazy. But then I had to think about myself to be like. Yeah, there are people in my past where I'm like, I ain't like doing this stuff with this person because I ain't like them. But this person, those things that I I could have some more fun because I actually like this person. So this activity is more bearable to me. And I had to be like, oh, maybe we should all just give things a second thought <laughs> sometimes, you know, instead of just, you know, being ready to immediately attack. But I just remember that really hit me where I was like, oh. I love that you use the word bearable. That would be the name of the episode. Because <laughs> it's like there's bears. Like she, she, <laughs> she didn't like this person, but this person is bearable. That's bearable. The bearable. <laughs> bearable. Yeah. Yes. He's adorable. He's, bearable. He's a bearable. bearable. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, the black family who won the return of Bruce's speech will sell it back to L.A., this, oh. you know, this is a complicated story, but it made me sad that they were selling it back. Almost 100 years ago, a local government in Southern California took Bruce's Beach away from its black owners due to their skin color. After mm-hmm. a long yet successful effort to regain the land, the owner's descendants intend to sell it back to Los Angeles County for $20 million. This is their comment, their statement. This fight has always been about what is best for the family. And they feel what is best for them is selling this property back to the county for nearly 20 million. And they said um, the sale will help the Bruce family in finally rebuilding generational wealth. They were denied for nearly a century. So, Holly, what do you what do you say? I feel that 20 million is too little. To be kept for 100 years or something like that. And then the value of the even the land, I feel like. To me, that number needs to be approaching 50. Like, because they took it. One was by force. Two, over a very long period of time. How many? How many years? 1912. 111 years? Like, it was I mean, taken in, not, well, 1924 was when it was taken. Okay, so 100 oh, but years. But 1912, it was successful, yeah. But that's a hundred years of revenue for just twenty million. I yeah. I don't see that. I mean, I don't know how they arrived at that number. Maybe just obviously things I'm not seeing, but that just seems very small. Yeah, I agree. They could have gotten mm-hmm. so much more. I mean, so much more. Yeah, but I don't know the circumstance. That's the thing. I I think yeah. they were. Um, there's there's. I think what needs what needs to happen is an investigation as to why they couldn't turn it around. Because they were saying around. Well, because they were saying that, however, an examination shows that near nearby white landowners feared the invasion of black people. Oh, I think that was. Okay. So when the property was seized, so I think when they try to get like land, when they mm-hmm. tried to open up stuff, they, they, no one was working with them to develop like what they wanted to develop on the land. So I think they were, they gave up. That's what happened because it was, mm. it was made to be very difficult. But go ahead, Mia. No, I would have, um, 
I don't know, I honestly probably would have been like, let me keep half of it. I'm going to sell mm-hmm. half, but with the half that I keep, I'm open up a black themed amusement park and I will not let white people in it. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Trifling, but I would have been like, oh, oh, you gonna, I'm going to keep you out now. Uh-huh. But can you just, that would be so fun. A black people roller coaster. And <laughs> Well, that is, which is exactly what they were afraid of. That, uh, yeah, no, that's what that's, you're like. Yeah, like let's do it. Like you afraid? I'm gonna make sure all the black people keep coming all the time. I just it just amazes I, me yeah. how our land will be taken from us, and then even when we get it back, they're just like we're afraid black people are going to be there. Yeah, and it's like, but you are more of a danger to us than we are to you, like yeah. ever. It's amazing how many of them were. I I was thinking about this today. When George Floyd, when we were all stuck inside, we all got those calls from our white friends. And uh, all those corporations were saying this is what they're going to do. And they're going to correct the wrongs. How long did it take for them to give up on that? It didn't take that long. And we've been dealing with this for centuries. Yeah. About a year to revert back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't take. Yeah. Yeah. It really takes I I believe there needs to be an investigation as to why they couldn't turn that land around. Yeah. Because I really believe there were some shady contractors, all that making it impossible. But it's also it's a good study. I mean, we should really study this moment as to what what is it that we don't look at the longer picture of generational wealth? Because they could have put some property there and made so much money off of it. And turn it around, hotel, I don't know. Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just really sad because we're wondering why they sold, right? After they got it back after all this time. When you look at, like, what happens to so many Black families and their houses Mm -hmm. in, like, Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, like, why did they sell? Well, when you can't even get the bank to give you a loan to fix it up, and when Mm -hmm. you are redlined out of there, when all your neighbors, when all your neighbors and your friends have to move away because it's been so gentrified, I think people just get to a point where they just don't want to fight anymore. Yeah. And it's really sad, but that's, that's the reality. They get tired. Yeah. They get yeah. tired. They're like, I want to live my life. I'm whatever years old and I'm, I can't fight this my whole life. But if they're thinking about them now, and I'm not saying wrongfully because it's what you, you only got your own life. That's it. But they want to move on with their life. Yeah. It's just sad. It's it is sad it because the because the crime has been committed twice now. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if you're watching the documentary on um, what happened with Bernie Madoff on Netflix. I really there's so many stories about him, but this one I for some reason I watched and it's mostly because I'm following the stock market for the first time, which mm-hmm. is interesting because I never followed the stock market and Anyone who thinks it's it's silly to follow the stock market, let me tell you something. You will learn more about America's crime and white people and their crime and white collar crimes, which are committed by everybody, right? Not just white, mm-hmm. but uh, there's some people who in our own community can do some. But it's eye opening for me and I'm in my 50s, right? And now I'm seeing it and I'm like, I didn't know any of this. I didn't care about any of this. And now I'm seeing it for the first time. And I'm like, this shit was never fair. I mean, never. Bernie Madoff, 
while I'm watching the documentary, I really encourage you to watch it. it it's kind of, it, it, you can only kind of understand it too if you watch the stock market. That's why I mm-hmm. say learn this stuff because they were taking money from very wealthy people who were not were keeping their money wealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in a sense. So the generational wealth that we're talking about is people who like, their names are on walls, their names mm-hmm. are on, like they make sure that it stays that way with the money they have. And then in a sense, what Bernie did was he he took a system and he made money off of a system that was corrupt in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you look at like the stock market back in the day, none of us were able had access to that information. Mm-hmm. None of us could even call in to do trades, really. Mm-hmm. And no one, and you couldn't even be on the floor. You know, you, I, I know my brother-in-law used to work at Goldman Sachs. The racism there is, is crazy. And then you have mm-hmm. that, the, what the banks did to us, the predatory lending. Mm-hmm. It's all set up this way. That's why I say, in a sense, they really need to investigate exactly what went wrong here. This seems like a crime on a crime. Well, that's why they, their whole anti-critical race theory was pushed, was pushed really hard and it continues to push because they don't want us, racist people don't want us to get to the bottom of things. Mm-hmm. They don't want us to know how deep within the system it runs. Oof. They don't want to be held accountable. And it's you. Yeah, you yeah. see that it's extremely deep. They don't want us to know. They don't want us to know. That's why math, you know, you ever been in school and you're like, why is math? Well, I'm never going to use this stuff. That's what they want you to believe. You are going to use it. Yeah. It, the yeah. numbers. The numbers. Mm-hmm. Better. Um, so, okay, here's another article, and then we'll get out. The best way to comfort someone when they're sad. And the reason I put this in is because I'm so bad at it. I am so bad at it. And my <laughs> friend, Lois, Irish friend, is always laughing at me because I say the wrong things. Like, I, I, I don't... She was laughing at me because we were comforting a friend and she was like, you're not our friend is dealing with taking care of their parents and and they were just bawling and crying. And my friend Lois, she does this for a living. So she's like, she's validating them. She's like, you're all alone. No one is taking care of you. You're all alone. And I step in and I go, no, you got me. You got friends. And my friend looked at she goes, I am alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. God. I'll let Lois take it from here. So how are you supposed to comfort somebody? Yeah. Well, what do you there do? it says, as uh, a limited yet growing body of research suggests that the best way to comfort someone when they are sad is to start a conversation. Words play a powerful role in shaping people's emotions due to our inherently social nature. The words we use matter and some forms of feedback have been found to be more helpful than others. A study shows that validating phrases such as I understand why you feel that way or that sounds very hard, are especially comforting. Research suggests that encouraging people to see a new perspective or recognizing that things will improve are also helpful. Depending on the situation, these strategies can be used to meet varying needs. One consistent finding is that telling people that they shouldn't feel so bad often makes people feel worse. Yeah. Like I was doing, I guess. In an important... (laughs) 2012 study customer service representatives found that telling upset customers to calm down or relax make them more upset. This method gives the message that their emotional reaction is inappropriate, which makes them more emotional. In a study where people were asking their comforting feedback of choice, 
Validation was the clear winner. So if they are open to it, strategize a plan to overcome their problem may give them a sense of control over the situation or even resolve it entirely. This was written in the New York Times by Melinda Winner Moyer. So saying things like, I can imagine that was difficult. You try to see both sides of the situation. Try to focus on the glass. Those are the things you don't want to say, by the way. These are the things. Focus on, focus on the glass. Try to focus on full. the glass half full instead of half. Those are the things you don't want to say. Yeah, nobody, would hear, nobody wants to hear that. No one wants to hear both sides of the story. Uh, when people hear you, they say they understand you. You feel trusted. You feel cared for. You feel connected. So making sure they feel heard. Yeah. Have you had ever had difficult time, Mia, comforting someone? Well, Marina, you know how sweet I am. So, so no, 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 I've, no, I, no, no, I, no. I've had moments where you know where I've where I've been like you know I just don't know what to say. You know, I mean I've, I've you know where you you know so a lot of times you know now I I'm glad to hear that I I've actually you know done some of those things just where I'm like no you know I'll you know I'll tell. Any of my friends that are going through something, I'll just be like, no, feel what you're feeling, you know, just mm-hmm. and if you, you know, and not and, and I try not to say if you need me, because I'm like, I think you do need me, you know, but I'm like, just, you know, I'm like, feel what you feel and message me, call me like whatever you need to do to just not get it out of your system. But you got to feel feel the thing, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I think I do a fairly decent job. But yeah, have I had moments where um I've been like oh I wasn't prepared for that today and I don't know how to respond to it then definitely have been there but I I do think that in my twilight years I've gotten better I think yeah I try I try try. Uh, yeah yeah Allie (laughs) I used to think I was a more empathetic person than my kids are telling me I am um I thought I was way more empathetic and maybe I just don't have as much empathy because I was raised uh, a lot harder to be a little thicker skin. But it's like I constantly find myself with my teenage daughter where she's like, you're not even listening to me, Mm. you know, or like, I'm really sad about this. And I'm like, I'm like looking for a solution. You know what I mean? And she doesn't want to hear that. She just wants me to hear her out. And I have to constantly remind myself just to hear her out. But I'm like thinking, okay, let's do this. Let's do that. Let me tell you how to fix things. She didn't want me to tell her how to fix things. She wants me to just listen to her. And I realize sometimes I'm like, okay, I feel like if I'm just listening and I'm not giving her guidance, am I doing my job as a mom? Or should I just be all empathy? Like, am I, aren't I supposed to give suggestions? I don't know. I think you're both. Don't you? Like you listen and, and then you guide. That's yeah. That's what I thought I was supposed to do. My mom's just like you. Just my my daughter's like you. Just yell, <laughs> like you yell. <laughs> you know, like she told me she had some uh, some conflict with some other girl, and like right away, I I didn't even know I had any. I was like, you tell her to kiss your black ass. That's what you tell that little girl to do. <laughs> and she was like, Mama, I'm really sad about this, and I, I was like, Fuck her. <laughs> I was like, first of all, I don't even like her because she don't like my child. You don't like my child. I don't like you. That's it. That's it. I'm over. It's done. And I realized, all right, now I need to put on my like friend hat and like be that good. But she's like, your generation, you guys are just so aggressive. Like, I know you're like a bunch of wolves that came home by yourselves, but you guys are like really aggressive. (laughs) And I'm like, you're right. We had to be aggressive. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been feelings for 15 years and 
taking you to baby yoga and shit. Like, yeah, you're calm and don't know how to deal with conflict. We grew up learning how to fight in the street. Learning how to fight getting chopped in the neck by your cousin. No, you're not soft. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know I've had to work. It's funny because when I was grieving at a point where it was a mass amount of people contacting me, I remember thinking, making fun of the way people they were like, do you need anything? I was like, I need some fried chicken right now. And they'd be like, oh, shit, I don't. I don't um, I'm like, you asked. You asked me what I need. That would make me I'm feel like, better. I'm like, if you can send over some food from fried chicken right now, I'm good. You know, awesome. I take people up on it. Yeah. I do know, like, sometimes myself have a difficult time saying the right things. And I but I do know they say like it's OK to mess up. At least you're trying to communicate. That's fine. You know, like trying to communicate is better than not communicating. I remember the people who didn't communicate with me were worse than the ones who were awful at communicating because not hearing anything from anyone Mm -hmm. is the worst thing you could do. I know a lot of people do that. They go, maybe I just wait for the the whatever they're feeling to settle down and then I'll get in touch with them later. Don't do that. Try to reach out any way you can. Try to offer you know, sometimes I just say, hey, I'm here. I'm sending love. I'm thinking about you. Um, mm-hmm. Anytime you want to talk, I will actually call sometimes. And I know that it may be too soon, but at least I tried to call. And a lot of times people go, you know, Marina, thank you for at least like you're one of the ones that called me during that time. And then in grieving specifically, calling people after the time has passed is a very crucial time. Is mm-hmm. everyone's there for you during the time? Mm-hmm. Is that time afterwards when everyone's gone back to their lives, gone back mm-hmm. to work, where it really mm-hmm. sets in for that friend of yours that is grieving? Mm. Yeah. After everything happens, everybody goes home, all of a sudden it's kind of yeah. like, well, that's over now. And it's like, no. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, not absolutely. for the person that's going through it, yeah. I used to get mad at people who were saying, I'm sorry for your loss. But I, I do realize people are trying. You know, they are. Be like, what are you sorry for? But I, <laughs> I used to get really, but that was a me problem, right? I don't say I'm sorry. I try not to say I'm sorry for your loss because it, it, it's something about it. That sentence, I'm sorry. It's life. It happens. You know, yeah. I, was, I try to say things like, you know, I'll hug you when I see you. I don't know if it's great, but I, I think the, the, the key word is validating people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I actually was one of the jokes that I've been doing over the past um, probably past few months or so. It, it, it's, it's about the phrase. I'm sorry to hear that. And, I, and I've always been like. You just told a person like, "I'm sorry, I heard you talking." Like, "I'm sorry, I heard Ooh. your words." You know, and I'm yeah, like, I'm just, that's and I'm right. like, it's, I'm like, we gotta have something better to say. Just say a whole bunch of stuff like, "What if you just say this?" Or, "What if you try this?" What if, what if you say, "I'm sorry, you're going through that," you know, instead of, okay. "I'm sorry, I heard it," <laughs> you know. And so, just, just like, just these different, and of course, some of them are a joke phrases um you know where i'm like oh you know maybe i was like somebody told me i could say it be like that sometimes i'm like we cannot say that you know and i go we need something that's just you can't just say i'm sorry i heard you <laughs> like you know I'm like <laughs> it's gotta be something else so yeah yeah well this has been a really great conversation and i am not sorry to have heard both <laughs> of you i am 
thankful that I heard both of you. Thank you so much. Wonderful start to the new year. Great conversation with two amazing, talented women. Thank you so much for taking your time with me today. Thank Holly you. Teller. Thank you. Oh, our listeners, Holly, where are they can find you? Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Holly Harper 5. Just Holly Harper and the number five. Facebook is just me. And with friends like us, you always going to have a great conversation. That's right. <laughs> Mia. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm at Mia Comedy on Instagram and Twitter and yeah, regular ass Facebook, Mia Jackson, website miajackson.com. And let me see, with friends like us, you learn that you can steal in dressing rooms. Okay, that's a bad one. Um, <laughs> that's great. I love it. I love it. That was fun. That that's funny. a good one. Improv. See, there it is. Mia does you don't funny. need to take Holly's class. You got it. No, you got it. You got this. You got all this. You got it. You got it. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you learn to validate feelings because they're important here at Friends Like Us. Just check, check us out. out.